As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place, and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences Each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. But it didn't matter to me, actually, if I was making that much money or how much money I was really making at photography because I loved it so much and because I guess it fed me in so many other ways. And then once I stopped taking production work, it's a scary moment to make that leap and just say, okay, I'm going to stop and focus on this one thing. I remember before I even told my mom about it, seeing her for lunch one day, and she said, oh, you look so different. You look like five years of weight is just lifted off your shoulders. Well, let me tell you why, you know. That's Stephanie Bordas, who went from TV and production to modern boudoir photography. Such an intriguing niche we explore in this episode. I'm glad you're with me. I'm Crystal Laurie, your host. This is Bucket List Careers. Stephanie always had the self-awareness that she's a creative. She started out as a director's assistant, worked her way up in the TV and production world of New York City, and always loved photography. But her big leap into starting her own business as a boudoir photographer is an interesting story she shares in this episode. If you're not familiar with what that means, I am a fan of this art form. It is about tastefully capturing images with an air of sexiness and generally involves a certain level of undress, either lingerie, other intimate apparel, or nothing at all. I do love Stephanie's approach of exploring sensuality and women's empowerment at the same time. Stephanie has some honest takeaways for you about getting past mainly self-imposed obstacles in her journey to career purpose. All right, let's dig in. Stephanie, welcome to Bucketless Careers. I'm really glad we pulled this together. Me too. Thank you for having me. 
Well, I have to thank Hillary, of course, Hillary Weintraub, our mutual friend. She was also a recent guest on the show and she connected the dots, if you will. And this is how good guests happen. She pivoted into your former industry, whereas you transitioned out of TV and production to get into photography. And of course, we want to dig into your evolution. If there was a pivotal moment, where your head was when you made some of those key moves. We want to understand why you took the leap. So why don't we go back to you starting out as a director's assistant in New York City? That's right. I graduated college in 2001 and really didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought maybe I would do something and I was a psych major. Maybe I would be a school psychologist eventually. Maybe I would go back to school. But in the meantime, I needed to find work. And so through a series of random connections, which I think is how production normally happens. Does it? I got hooked up. I think so. Yeah, it's it's very much word of mouth. Friend of a friend. Exactly right. I got hooked up with this director to be his assistant. It was the type of work where you're getting sushi and getting coffee and lugging camera gear. And your schedule is very much not your own. Yeah. It's not brain surgery, but I really loved the people that I was with. And I loved the energy in production. And I was pretty good at it. Then, of course, September 11th happened. I was on a shoot at the time and got stranded out in Long Island with this group of production people. And of course, we all just really bonded. Yeah. Between there not really being any more jobs happening in New York for a recent college graduate connecting with these people, when they called again, even though I didn't love the work at first, I said, yes, of course. And it just kind of went from there. My word of mouth spread and yeah. I found other directors who would hire me and kind of made my way up the ladder. Uh, it was something that I was good at and it was something that ultimately I really, really enjoyed. So similar to Hillary, I was a production coordinator and then a production manager. I became a line producer, which was my absolute favorite and eventually became an executive producer. So in a way, I've had kind of two bucket list careers. I mean, it was a fantastic career for me and I really loved it, but I always kind of had this sinking feeling that it wasn't going to be sustainable. Mm -hmm. I would hear other parents on the phone with their kids apologizing for not being home for bedtime. I saw a lot of marriages dissolve because your time's really not your own. You're working crazy hours. You're traveling at a moment's notice. You have no, you can't make any real plans and it's incredibly fun. And I got to have some amazing adventures, but once I had my kids, those early call times and those last minute trips just weren't really feasible anymore. <laughs> I'm laughing just because it sounds a lot like the news industry. <laughs> oh, 100%. I can feel Absolutely. You there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you were starting to have this awareness that you weren't managing your life in the way you wanted to in this particular area professionally, doing as much as you could, but there were external forces that were making it challenging to be as present as you wanted to be with your family. I know that. Very much so. I mean, I think there's a myth that when you're a freelancer that you're in charge of your own mm -hmm. career and your own time, but that's not really the case because when you're on a job, you are 100% on that job. Your hours aren't your own. Sure. Everything else just has to take a back seat. So either you're working 100% of the time or you're working not at all. Finding that middle ground and finding that balance was really difficult. So you were struggling a little bit at that point. Was this like, let's say six, seven years into it? And then at what point did you start doing more with your photography, which you had always loved? I know there was an overlap for you. For sure. I'd always loved photography, but I didn't know how to make photography my business. Right. I didn't want to be a wedding photographer. 
that just is my worst nightmare. <laughs> I don't know how people photograph weddings. It seems so stressful to me. <laughs> I have a lot of respect for that job, you know, corralling everybody. Yes. Half the battle is knowing what you don't want. Exactly. Yeah. Wedding photography wasn't it. Newborn photography certainly was not it either. But what could it be? I, I didn't know. While I was kind of teaching myself, I, I started taking photography lessons and yeah. went to photography school at night while I was doing production on the side because I loved it and I did want to foster it into a career. I just didn't know how. Then a friend of mine had a boudoir shoot and she told me about it and I thought, huh, that's interesting. And without doing any research on it, I just went and had my own shoot with that exact same photographer and I got it. The experience itself for me was okay, but... Right. I could see exactly why a woman would seek this out. And I felt that I could do it in maybe a little bit of a different way. My experience was a little bit more, I want to say maybe old fashioned. I felt like she was taking pictures of me rather than for me. That's interesting. I felt like the style was a little bit, you know, 1980s glamour shot, which is not necessarily my thing. I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> and so I thought to myself, I could get behind this. I would love to work with women. I love doing portraiture. I would love to help women kind of explore their femininity. Yeah. But I could do it in a more cool, modern New York woman kind of way. And so that was kind of my epiphany. Yeah, your own spin to it, but still taking the concepts of celebrating sensuality, femininity, and women's empowerment. It's really clear how this could light a photographer up. It's amazing. You see so many women come in. Of course, they're nervous. Very few people have had their photo taken professionally, much less in their lingerie or nude. And of course, that's intimidating, right? <laughs> right? But then you see them really come out of their shells over the course of an hour and a half. You see them really start to just embody who they are, feel great about the skin that they're in. They walk out of the studio walking six inches taller. And that's what it's all about to me. I'm going to jump in here and say I've had a boudoir shoot a few years back. And, you know, I thought about it. I want to do it again. It was really transformative. It took a little bit that I had to let go of. And yeah, before I even sat down with you, I thought, what was it? I mean, I, I don't consider myself a puritanical person, but I think there was some childhood programming that I had to let go of, like the good girl, bad girl thing. I completely get it. I had a really amazing experience with it. So I'm, I'm a fan. I love that. And I think that's very common. And I wasn't even sure if I was going to bring this up, Stephanie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it's intimate, obviously. And obviously those photos are for me and for my husband only. But like, I don't see any reason why every woman shouldn't consider it. Tell me about how you were running these two businesses at once. Would you have called the photography a side hustle at that point? Were you balancing both 50-50? Tell me about that and how you navigated that. At first, starting this boudoir business, I had to find clients yeah. and it was very much word of mouth and, you know, I guess a little bit on Google and Instagram at the time, but it was slow. So it was easy to slowly build the business while also doing production. But I have to say the business grew pretty quickly. I always prided myself on giving the best client experience I possibly could, even before my photography skills, I think, were so strong. Mm. And that, I think, really helped light the fire behind the business. Friends started telling each other about it and it grew pretty quickly. Yes. Meanwhile, I had this production career and for a while I could really balance both. You know, I wasn't always working production. I could do shoots on the weekends. I could edit at night. But slowly as the photography business got busier, it became its own full-time career right. while I was then doing this production career essentially full-time. And you also had young kids at that point, correct? I did. I, ha I had a new baby at the time. I had two small kids. I was still breastfeeding. 
I would wake up at five in the morning to answer some emails, then get the kids fed, get them off to school, go to one job, go to a job in the afternoon. I started putting myself into actually some really precarious positions, Mm -hmm. which didn't behoove any of us. You know, I I would be taking conference calls for production while pumping, while a boudoir client was in the hair and makeup chair. And I just wasn't able to focus on anything the way I really should have been or really wanted to be doing. I appreciate that honesty. You told me that at one point in your journey on the outside, you looked very put together. I mean, you're beautiful. I can relate to that. Whereas that, you know, the image that you're putting out there is fully hundred percent in control, but you said you were worried things were going to fall through the cracks. I guess you mean your kids, your family, your husband, everything, your business that you've worked for. Yeah. You weren't showing up to anything the way you wanted to. So how did you pull yourself out of that? And I think that's really fair and honest. We've all been there. Yeah. I really had to look at myself honestly in the mirror. I had two amazing careers that I loved, but I wasn't really able to enjoy the benefits of either of them. I wasn't able to drop everything and go to Buenos Aires for a shoot. I wasn't able to serve my boudoir clients the way I said I was going to or that I felt I wanted to. And I wasn't able to spend time with my my family. I, I really burned myself out. I remember getting my final paycheck from what would be my last production job that I was going to take and thinking, oh, this is going to be, I'm going to take it to the bank. This is going to be so much money. And I don't even remember how much money it was, but no number on that check actually would have been worth the stress and struggle that I was experiencing at the time. And I just remember looking at that check thinking, this is just, it's just not working. It's just not worth it. And so I made the decision just to stop taking production work from there which was scary. You know, a lot of people, again, think, oh, you can freelance on the side and you can do both. How great that you can do both at the same time. But I I do think the photography business was never going to get any bigger than it currently was if I didn't focus on it as a full-time career. If you're only doing anything part-time, then that's all it's ever going to be. You then finally stopped taking the production jobs at that point. I did. And I realized I never felt that way about photography either. I, I wasn't keeping track of my photography finances, embarrassingly. I wasn't really a business person, but it didn't matter to me actually if I was making that much money or how much money I was really making at photography because I loved it so much and because I guess it fed me in so many other ways. And then once I stopped taking production work, it's a scary moment to make that leap and just say, okay, I'm going to stop and focus on this one thing. I remember before I even told my mom about it, seeing her for lunch one day and she said, oh, you look so different. You look like five years of weight is just lifted off your shoulders. Well, let me tell you why, you know. I've made this this choice and it was the best thing I could have done for myself, the best thing I could have done for my family. You know, I, I have a studio now that I get to truly make my own schedule. I'm doing something that I love. I'm able to be creative, do something for myself, connect with women, make other women feel amazing, lift them up. I'm changing the narrative about what boudoir photography is. I'm trying to help women feel empowered to do it for themselves, not just for a gift for a loved one. A girlfriend of mine once joked that I'm smashing the patriarchy one woman at a time. And I love that. I love that. My calling. And so here we are. That's incredible. I think it's like bigger than the photography shoot itself. Speaking of obstacles for women, you mentioned that you felt in your journey, yours were mainly self-imposed. And I get that. And a lot of my listeners get that, you know, undoubtedly this will resonate with them because being taught we can do it all. Right. Our generation, I mean, you're a bit younger than me, but I feel that this is still prevalent, that we all think we should be juggling a million things to perfection. Yeah. Should we have to do that? Is that the best for our sanity? Is that the best for all the people involved in our lives? And is that how you can best show up for yourself at all? So tell me how you got past 
those internal obstacles. I think we are taught right now that we can do it all. Look, you can have your career and you can have your family and you can be so beautiful and you can be social. And we live in New York, right? Where everything is at our fingertips. You feel like you should take advantage of all of that. And to some extent, I think that's true. I was raised in a family that really believed that you just put your head down and you work really hard, you know, suck it up and deal. And I think that can serve you in a lot of ways. But I think also just because you can handle something doesn't mean that it's the best thing for you to do. Yeah. I was handling it all. I looked like everything was perfect. But on the inside, I was really kind of miserable. I wasn't showing up to my kids the way I wanted to. Like I said, I wasn't showing up to my career the way I wanted to. And I wasn't showing up for myself at all. Women especially feel the same way. We're taught we can do it all. But I think just because you can doesn't mean that you should or that you have to or it's the best thing for anybody. Based on your experiences thus far, professionally and personally, what would you say would be some action steps for people? Because, you know, they like to come away from listening to a podcast like this with motivation, of course, and general inspiration, but even just some action items. If you had to tell someone, a lot of people tell me make lists, you try to narrow down ways that you could potentially monetize doing something you love, because this show is about professional purpose and often the transition to that and getting there. So what would you be at the top of your must-dos for that type of person? I think when you're deciding to make a leap, make a change, start something new, if you truly are lit up by it, other people will take note. I mean, it's that old field of dreams thing. If you build it, they will come. Before I was a good photographer, I put forward all of these ideas. People could see how excited it made me. And I think that kind of excitement is contagious. It is having a little bit of faith. You do you. And people will be attracted to what you're putting out there if you are attracted to it. And so I just started talking about doing boudoir for yourself. I started talking about feeling empowered by it. And the right people, their ears perk up. And slowly, or not so slowly, right? People take note. I think you just have to remember to be true to yourself. You don't need to do it all. You can focus on one really small thing. I mean, starting a photography business, I hear a lot of younger photographers saying, oh yeah, I'll shoot weddings. I'll shoot families. I'll shoot newborns. I'll do boudoir. Yeah, I'll do boudoir. All these things. Well, maybe you should focus on one small niche and make it your own. Maybe you'll grow later. But I think if you can really find that small subset of people who want what you are giving, your career will really flourish. Oh, I think that's all really good wisdom. So where should we send people to learn more about Stephanie Portis and what your services include? I mean, there may be people out there just who aren't even at all familiar with boudoir. So there's a lot to learn. There is. And I, sometimes I'm even embarrassed to use the word boudoir because I don't want people to think of it as this kind of antiquated or overly racy thing. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think there's a really big range of what boudoir photography is, but you can absolutely check out my Instagram. I post most often there at Brooklyn Boudoir. And you can look at my website, which is just brooklynboudoir.com. Boudoir is spelled B-O-U-D-O-I-R. I know it's not an easy word to pronounce or to spell. Right. And a spell check sometimes will get you too, even though that is the French spelling. It is correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I'm sure, I'm sure you get questions too. Are you open to answering like DMs about what you do on Instagram and such? Because I'm sure people would just love to say, hey, can you just like give me an idea of what this is really about? Yeah. DM me email me. You can find all my contact information online. I'm always happy to talk. 
Love it. Engagement with community is so important. Yeah. This went so fast as they always do when (laughs) someone's really fun to talk to. So Stephanie, thank you so much for taking the time. I wish you lots of luck on your journey. You're doing great things. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thanks for your time and for listening. I'm Crystal Laurie. This is Bucket List Careers. We have a lot more great guests coming down the pike. For some reason, I seem to have a lot of entertainment industry pivots these days. You know, they make really great guests because they know how to tell a story. So be sure you don't miss the next episode. We'll be back on Thursday with another fresh Bucket List Careers. Be well. An ironic media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. Yeah. New New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.